The U.S. national team uh, hit up World Cup qualifiers this month on January 27th against El Salvador, January 30th in Canada, and February 2nd, they then come back to take on Honduras in this next round. Our next guest, the 28 years old, is an elder statesman for the U.S. men's national team. Outstanding young man, outstanding for the U.S. in the 2-0 victory over Mexico, currently with Nashville in Major League Soccer. Walker Zimmerman from the U.S. national team camp joins us now. Walker, thanks very much uh, for joining the show, uh, and we appreciate you coming on. Just how about a couple of insights into uh, how the camp has gone so far under Greg Berhalter? It's been great. You know, this is always looked at as uh, a time for mainly MLS guys to kind of get on their feet again after a long season. Um, but this one's a little bit different in the sense that we're preparing for qualifiers at the end of it. It's not just a friendly or two friendlies. Um, we got games that are really important and that really matter. And so uh, that's changed a little bit in terms of how the camp uh, is being run. Talking to Walker Zimmerman, uh, U.S. national team defender, also at Nashville right now. Two straight years now, he's been the MLS uh, defender of the year. What's kind of the messaging now based on the fact that these qualifiers are right around the corner? Well, it's all about preparation. It's making sure, one, uh, I think a priority is fitness. Um, You know, again, I mentioned for some guys who maybe weren't involved in the December camp, they've been off for for a little bit, uh, maybe a month or so. And for the guys who were involved in that December camp, a couple weeks, and it's just about getting that rust off, uh, making sure guys are in a good spot physically uh, to where they can compete for 90 minutes in, uh, in high stakes games. So your career kind of, to me, has gone a little bit uh, in the blink of an eye because I remember you being a young guy coming into the league. And now I'm looking, wow, he's 28 now, which I, mm. I found hard to believe. Things do come fast. FC Dallas, LAFC, Nashville. Um, this is your ticket to get to a World Cup, isn't it? It is. You know, I think even as a kid, uh, as I started to have success at the youth level, looking into college, you always kind of know when you're supposed to be in your prime. And so for me, this was always, okay, theoretically on paper, this is probably my best chance. Um, So I've had 22 22, uh, circled in my calendar for a long time. I've known that it's going to take a a lot of work to get there. And it's pretty crazy, like you said, uh, in a blink of an eye that this year, uh, this monumental year is already here. Somebody had said, hey, guess how old Walker is right now? I put a put you at 25, probably. I appreciate that. It just seems like it goes very, very fast. So, look, you, you, you're you on the national team now. You were in those very important qualifiers. We got that huge win over Mexico. Um, everybody very excited about that. Two very different games. You played with two different center backs in those games, Miles Robinson and Chris Richards. How big of a challenge is it for you to adapt to playing with a different partner and does your game get altered being with one or the other a little bit or a little bit differently? I think there's always subtle differences between uh, center back partners. Obviously it's pretty well documented the importance of relationships between center back partners, just because there's so much communication that's involved and being the last line of defense, if you're not on the same page, all of a sudden, okay, now the guy who'd normally be offside is now on sides. So now you might lose the game. So um, there are definitely subtle differences. Uh, both are phenomenal players. Both have had uh, a great past couple of seasons where they've really grown and, and developed. And um, thankfully, you know, now having gotten more and more reps with Miles in the past, very comfortable with him. And then now as, you know, Chris and I, we hadn't had many reps together even in training. And so to go on the road, um, to, to get a, you know, a shutout there in, in Jamaica, um, well, that was a really big step for us and, uh, and pleased with, with how we handled things. 
that Sorry, not game a spread in, out there, but one one one. one, but, one yeah. uh, in terms of you know opportunities and and uh, obviously it was a, a great goal from them um, that I wouldn't say we felt like uh, there was much we could do about that one. <laughs> you guys defended well. All right, so how difficult was that to come off that high of Mexico, right? Our greatest rival. Flip it. You're down in Jamaica. Not as big. Not, no crowd. Whole different environment. I don't know if you can express to people how difficult that change is because, you know, all of a sudden you get people who are very, very disappointed. You know, oh, we got to tag the Mexico win with a good result in Jamaica. But it is a mental challenge as well, right? It is. And, and you know, I think a lot of us haven't had a lot of World Cup qualifying experience. And so we had heard the same thing like, oh, it's just super difficult to qualify in CONCACAF and going on the road and getting results. And you hear that and you're like, okay, right. Like I get it, but like we have a really good team and then you're in it and, and the game ends and you might, you know, get a tie or possibly a loss. And, and you're just thinking like, man, it really is difficult to get results in these games. Um, and so the Jamaica one, you know, obviously they score, they score a goal, uh, you know, top, top class strike uh, from Antonio. Um, and it kind of took the momentum away from us. You know, we had come out really good in that Jamaica game scored early and I think probably in our heads, we're thinking, this is it. Like, this is our chance to win our back-to-back games, really make a move up in the in the table for, for the standings there. And, um, you know, ended up with a draw. But they're, they're just different games. You know, everyone recognizes how important they are. Um, there is a do-or-die kind of mentality in every single game. And, and you have to have that because at the end of the day, it's it's more than just you as an individual, you as a team. We're, we're representing the whole country. And, um, you know, we're trying to – inspire them uh with our performances and when you don't get results on the road like that you're you're responsible and and you got to handle you know the questions that may come but at the end of the day you know you're focused within the group um and you know that you're just kind of on a good pace you're plugging along getting to that ultimate goal which is qualifying for world cup so we're pleased with where we are um sure we would have had liked to get a couple more results on the road but you know we're in a good spot heading into these last six qualifiers Talking to Walker Zimmerman, Nashville uh, defender, also the U.S. men's national team. You used uh, the words do or die. Is that yeah. what training's like? I mean, because, look, you're, you're, you're fighting to go to not only help qualify the country, you want to go to the World Cup. It's the pinnacle of the game. Um, is, is it do or die in training, and do you feel that with your teammates? Honestly, it's felt pretty much do or die since my first call <laughs> up to the national team. So this is Jan camp number six for me. Um, and the feeling's the same. Every single time I come in, I know that my spot is not given. Uh, nothing has been earned. And things change so quickly from camp to camp, from game to game. And always having yourself uh, ready mentally, physically to be able to perform is, is something that, you know, it takes a lot of effort. It takes a lot of concentration, a lot of preparation and off seasons. And um, it really is a nonstop process. And, and you can't ever be settled with, with where you are because, you know, as we see, we have so much young talent coming through and um, even guys that have had experience who are, you know, are playing well. So the competition is always going to be there and you just got to make sure that you're never content with where you are. Do you get that sense? Like, like I look at this team and I go and I remember when we didn't qualify for the last World Cup. And then I said to myself, wow, there's a silver lining here because there's all this great young talent. Um, they're starting to get themselves on big clubs. Look at this. It's going to accelerate the process. You guys, as young soccer players, and even the guys even younger than you, I'm talking six, seven years younger than you, um, you get the sense that there's a real esprit de corps and there is, hey, 
This is unprecedented times. We want to do something unique. This is our national team. Yeah, 100%. I think we've really done a good job in terms of team culture, taking ownership of that transitional period. You know, it's pretty rare to see uh, the turnover that took place uh, after failing to qualify in the last cycle. And, you know, we accept that responsibility. We accept that ownership and have really come together um, with a lot of guys that have contributed big minutes. Um, and we have a similar belief and a similar vision, and that's to, to qualify for the World Cup. And if you're all bought in together, you know, uh, it's going to make it much more difficult to stop you. Is it hard for you guys to keep each other accountable, or is that just something that goes without even questioning? You know, I think it comes from a lot of the guys who have leadership qualities or have been around a little bit more. Um, you have to have those high demands, and you have to have high expectations. And that's just not that's not just in the games. That's in training. You mentioned the competitiveness. I mean, that, you got a you got a bunch of guys who are highly highly competitive. They wouldn't have made it to be a professional without that you know gene. And so when you get those guys together on a training field, uh, if you lose a small side game, you're pissed the rest of the day. You know, it doesn't just go away. You're you're fighting every single drill, every single exercise uh, to win. And that's that's a really important part of our team culture that, you know, we're trying to instill uh, in everyone. You seem to have the feel that that losses hurt. Um, And I'm not just talking with a national team in Major League Soccer, maybe where there is as much consequence during the middle of the year, June and July. I can see how it would, it, you, you got to be strong mentally to keep yourself in it. Um, is it hard to uh, make sure that these losses hurt at that time of the year in Major League Soccer, you know, based on a playoff system and the way the league is structured? Yeah, I think there's a fine line there uh, between not being too high with the highs or too low with the lows and not, you know, completely beating yourself up over a loss because you don't want that to bleed into, you know, the mentality for the next game or, anything like that. But at the same time, if you aren't upset with, with losing in general, then you might need to kind of recalibrate your brain and and figure it out because, you know, this, we have the greatest job in the world to to do something that we love to play for people, for cities uh, and have that responsibility and to get paid to do it. If you don't think that that's enough of a motivating factor to go out and, and want to win every single time you're on the field, then, um, you definitely need to kind of take a step back and figure out, you know, how to change that attitude. Talking to Walker Zimmerman, MLS Best 11, all-star, two-time MLS Defender of the Year, U.S. national team, a huge part of that big victory uh, over Mexico, had an outstanding game in, in qualifying. U.S. on January 27th, taking on El Salvador, then Canada, then Honduras. Was there a stage walker in, in, in your career, once you got into the pros, was there a moment where, singular moment it could have been a veteran player anything that began to help the center back position crystallize to you at the next level and and you began to really understand maybe the position even more coming from the college game it's a great question I think you know a big turning point for me was probably the playoffs 2015 that Seattle game in Dallas where I'd kind of been making a lot of appearances that year you know started probably 14 or so games, but appeared in, I don't know, two thirds of the season, three fourths of the season and came off the bench, scored the equalizer against Seattle, scored the PK for the win. And kind of, you know, that, that moment for me transitioned from being kind of a role player. Yeah. We know we can compete at this level to then going into 2016 as the starter. Um, That was a big switch for me, being able to play every single game, um, have the repetition, 
because there's never a question in my mind of can I compete at this level? It's, you know, I want, I need to get on the field and play in every single game, get minutes, get consistency. And so I think that moment between the 2015 playoffs and start of the 2016 season was probably the pivotal point for me um, and kind of started this trajectory. How much is the center back position changing since even you got into major league soccer? Because the demands on a center back are a lot different than the old days. A lot. They, they become a lot different. And a lot of that is dictated by the style of play of the team that you're on. Um, so it's been really fun for me, actually, to, to be on three teams with three very unique styles of play. And it's kind of helped make me a more well-rounded defender, having to defend in different ways, read the game in different ways. Um, because, you know, you see pictures all the time in trainings and games. And to have those from different formations, different teams, it just adds to your arsenal that, you know, then when you're going up against an opponent, it's something that you've seen before. And, um, you know, it certainly challenged me along the way being in different systems. But, um, you know, I've also been fortunate with the coaches I've played under. I've learned a lot from every single one, three of the best uh, in MLS for sure, um, between Oscar and Bob and now Gary. Um, and then not to mention the national team coaches with, with Bruce and, and Greg. So, you know, really good coaches that have helped me grow my game along the way, help me understand a lot more from a tactical side of things. Um, and that's been a real fun part of this journey for me is, is seeing the growth, feeling the growth, feeling the game slow down every single year uh, and become easier year over year, even with the influx of more attacking talent in MLS. So um, that's, that's a good thing to know that you're, you know, it's becoming easier for you despite having more talent coming into the league. Greg Berhalter, as your coach, was a center back. Does he ever, you know, does he ever impart in, in, in a, a singular tip on you or maybe walk into the dressing room, you know, hey, think about considering this? Or does that ever happen? Yeah, I think Greg is, is certainly uh, very in tune with his center backs. There's a lot of communication there in training, a lot of focus on that position in training. And, and why not? When you are a specialist in something, you know, you need to impart all that all the knowledge that you've learned. And so I'm sure if I become a coach one day, I'll do the same thing with center backs. You know, you, you know, the position better than any other on the field. And so we certainly have lots of dialogue, lots of information being thrown at us uh, on a regular basis uh, in training and, you know, whether it's half times, mid game adjustments. Um, I think there's, there's very good dialogue between Greg and his center backs. Walker, before we let you go, what do you, what do you do to get away from the game? Cause you can't, you can't necessarily be in the, uh you know, a drive all the time. What do you do to relax, get away from the game? Do you completely get your mind away from the game? You know, that's, uh, it's interesting that I, I came to a realization a few years ago that now is just not really the time to relax <laughs> kind of on a full sprint, uh, until this career's over and, and don't want to have any regrets in terms of taking time off and sure I'll try and get away and relax, but I don't know that there will be that true relaxation, um, until it's all over for me. So even when you go on vacation, you're still working out, you're still going to the gym early and, and then you can relax by the pool, but there's always, always something that's keeping you from, uh, fully relaxing. And, and that's part of, that's part of the journey. It's fun. Um, and again, I don't want to have any regrets at the end of this. So just, uh, hopefully you can keep it going for a lot longer. That's a great answer. And, uh, you know what, there's plenty of time for fly fishing and reading war and peace when the career's over, right? That's right. That's right. There's always the championship tour in golf, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Walker, thank you so much for coming on the program. We appreciate it very much. 
Uh, best of luck against El Salvador, Canada, and Honduras in the upcoming qualifiers. And again, been a pleasure watching you play the center back position. Keep up the great work. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.